Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane, Three Roll is cane to glass. From Tula Tacos and Amigos in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Maida, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. Do you always feel like somebody's watching you? Well, it's not a dream. It's the 21st century. Information is power, as they say, and there's money to be made from gathering it or keeping people from taking it. Here's a new buzzword for you, uh, surveillance capitalism, the marketplace for information captured often without your knowledge or even your consent and traded for dollars. This has been enabled by innovations like cloud computing and the World Wide Web itself, but the reality is trading in information isn't new, it's just scaled up. Think about the old gumshoe. Private investigators have been around for a long time, and my guest, private investigator Ronald Gaspard, has been in the research game for a long time himself, running Acadiana Research since the early 1990s. What began as a $10 an hour gig has become a full-time career, and he cases cheating lovers and insurance fraudsters, serves subpoenas and conducts courthouse research, or, as he puts it, anything else that's legal and makes a few dollars. Ronald is an Abbeville native, a military vet, and a former auxiliary sheriff's deputy. Ronald Gaspard, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Okay, so if everybody wants your information, what do you do if you don't want them to have it? Cybersecurity is no longer a niche service contracted by large firms with troves of sensitive data. Anyone can justify state-of-the-art information protection to block data hacks that come in all shapes and sizes. My guest, Hunter Thavis, COO of S1 Technologies, provides that kind of protection and more. And as a managed service provider, S1 can do top-to-bottom IT support and specializes in a white-glove approach. Hunter founded the company with a group of IT specialists from the Acadiana area in 2021, and it's grown steadily since then. Their customer base is primarily here uh, in the Acadiana region, but as they've grown, they've picked up clients in Houston and even Alaska. Hunter Thavis, welcome to Out to Lunch. Happy to be here. So, Ronald, um, I got to ask, I mean, do people really still turn to private investigators a lot? Like, I, I, I was kind of doing a little extra research, and I, and I saw, for instance, that you claim on inventing the, you have a claim on inventing the Cajun microwave, right? And I, and I searched that, um, and, you know, lots of things sort of come up in the search results. You get this sort of, like, background research links. You get, you know, is this the real Ronald? Check his credit score, I guess. I don't know. So I, I had to ask myself, like, do private investigators just compete with Google now? I mean, is, is that your primary competitor? Let me get it started off at the beginning here. We are not law enforcement. We're licensed by the state of Louisiana. And what we do, we just go and find out information. For instance, I, I specialize in, uh, in the surveillance in remote cameras, uh, monitor people's activities. Uh, we go, I've been all over pretty much the United States, uh, from Canada, not Canada, uh, Chicago, Detroit, all those places, uh, North, South Carolina, and all that. And the thing is, on those uh, are insurance fraud cases where people have a claim, okay? And we uh, just monitor their activities. I'm pretty much a, uh, a paid informant in a sense. I have no legal rights as anything special as a private investigator. We uh, basically... Uh, we have all the same laws as a civilian, okay? You, you can't uh, trespass, you can't speed, 
can't drive over sidewalks to hurry up and pass lights. You might do it, but uh, still against the law. So we're not anything uh, anything uh, above the law. We have to follow. We've got our rules and regulations that we follow. We've got our guidelines. And it's just basically to find out uh, what... Uh, let me let me give you a specific uh, insurance cases. That's that's the most common everybody thinks of. Okay, uh, an individual files a claim against someone or a company or whatever. That company has the right to investigate that claim, and we happen to be the individuals that go and investigate that claim. You're claiming that I can't move my right arm. I got the right to follow you. When the law came out, when they started coming up pretty much with uh, stalking laws. Mm -hmm. That was an issue. Everybody went like, oh, God, private investigators, you're stalking me. But you have to read the law. The law basically says, unless there's an intent to have bodily harm to you, so on and so forth, and we have the right to investigate your uh, your claims. Hmm. So, Hunter, um, you know, cyber threats, big, scary word, right? I mean, you know, I think it's in the news a lot, right? Um, but I think generally people still maybe underestimate it, especially like when we we're talking about maybe smaller scale threats, you know, and something that struck me, right, is if you guys are specializing in firms that have, you know, smaller groups of employees, right? And you may be looking at like data breaches on like email services. I've got to wonder if a lot of people, if their first question when they're asking whether they need your services is, why would anybody want my information, right? Like if you, my dad runs an engineering firm and I'm thinking about the service, you know, the servers they got to set up to, to protect what exactly, right? You know, so, so why would even an international ring of cyber thieves care about Mater Engineering's email service, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good question. So actually, I, I like that, that Ron and I are, are together on this thing because it's kind of two different sides of information privacy yeah. and the way that you're, you think about data and you think about the way that you're protecting your data. And so thinking about the bad guys in terms of this big conglomerate of, of evil beings that just want to steal everyone's data and money, that, that is kind of the case. But in, in this case with Mater Engineering, what they do is let's say, let's say they get in via email. They, they get someone's email credentials. Someone clicked on a wrong link and put in their Office 365 email and password and they don't have two-factor authentication set up. So now that bad guy has the ability to act on behalf of that person, send emails to, um, maybe send an email to accounts payable and say, hey, I'm changing banks. Can you change my bank from, from account number X and routing number X to this? And so then they get that little drip of revenue that's coming in before someone recognizes their paychecks are gone. Or they, they come in and they'll, they'll perform ransomware on the network and say, We've taken all your data. We've exfiltrated it. So, or we've, yeah, we've exfiltrated it. We've taken it away from you. We can drop it on the dark web and take your trade secrets and do whatever we want with it. But in the meantime, we've locked you guys down. You can't do work. What is that worth to you guys on a daily basis? What is the revenue you're losing as a result of not having access to your systems and files? And they get really, really detailed with the data that they pull out and the information they have on your business. So Mater Engineering, if it's a relatively large engineering firm, they might say, well, if you guys pay us $15,000, uh, we'll give you the decryption key and you get back to work. Hmm. And so at that point, it's a business decision of do I pay for this encryption key and get back to work? Or do we, do we try to, to remediate the situation in traditional methods by just re-imaging computers and trying to pull from backups? If we had backups, hopefully you did have backups. Yeah. And so it's, it's sort of piecemealed, but they play the long game. And, um, and so there are small organizations that specialize in taking advantage of companies that are 10 to 50 employees. But how are they even sort of deciding that that's a good target? I mean, is it that they're just sort of casting a wide net and, you know, you find 100 
or a thousand engineering firms across the country, or is it that they sort of hook onto it? Like, well, that company seems vulnerable because of X, Y, or Z. Yeah, that's a really good question. So, there's there, have you ever been contacted by a salesperson that that kind of knew what you did, and they had they had some idea of, of who Christian made or what are, like and what they can possibly buy from. Sure. So there are these databases called like Zoom Info, Discover Org, things like this that these these bad guys will use, and they'll leverage these tools to say any engineering firm in this zip code, which we know has a lower IT maturity scale, they yeah. don't have the tools and processes in place that a, a higher op operational maturity business has, they'll go and search those and say, anyone in this revenue um, sector is who we're going to target with the specific type of attack because we have high levels of success with those people. Hmm. And so sometimes you'll see it geographically based. And so we saw, we saw a couple of attacks last year and the year before where they were Obviously, it was the same organization targeting larger businesses here in town wow. because they found success with them. Huh. They found, oh, wow, well, this business is doing $50 million a year, and they don't have two-factor authentication in place. They didn't have air-gapped backups for their data, and they, they don't have the pro proper processes and procedures in place to mitigate an attack like this wow. so we can make money off of them. Wow. Uh, so, Ronald, I, 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 there's one question in my mind that, that, that's really been burning, right? And it's like you, you talked about how you're – you know, your specialty is you know, getting cameras out there and, like, watching. Correct. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So how do I know when I'm being watched? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> if you do, I messed up. Okay. Would be like, so do you have any advice for somebody to be able to, like, like how do I? Well, let me put it to you this way. If you, let's go with the insurance fraud is the, main, the, the, the most. You know, everybody's concerned about, you know, I got hurt and everything else. Yeah. And, uh, if you hurt, don't worry about it. If you're honest, don't worry about it. If you're scamming, be careful. Bottom line. <laughs> so, Very simple. So, I, 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 so I'm going to, like, my day job, right, is I run uh, a news outlet and I do investigative reporting. Uh, okay. And I, it struck me, I've, you know, tangled with powerful people before that they might be trying to tail me, right, to harass For? I don't know. Asking the wrong question, man. I mean, probing, who, 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 probing, too probing. Deep. Yeah. So, so I guess it's sort of like probe. That, that's that's something different. So, but I guess my I guess my question is, and I understand I'm asking a sensitive, you know, secret no, trade here, but but you know, how would I know if I'm suspicious? How would I know that they're actually watching me? That's what I. That's like, what what should I be looking for? I don't know of anything you can look for if you're not doing anything wrong. There ain't nothing wrong with it. Uh, well, I'm not, yeah. let me tell you why I'm going that route. Sure. Um, Individuals that are actually hurt, okay, that, uh, to me, I feel they deserve what needs to come to them. Sure. They need the help. I've done surveillance work on people that are actually hurt. And what happens whenever, if I'm an honest investigator, I turn it into my client, and my client looks at it and goes, okay, we need to settle this case. Hmm. This guy's actually hurt. It's those that or faking, thinking that they can get more money because if they limp, have a back brace, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, you get more money. So it's all about the money and all about being truthful in, in your case. Yeah. If you're not hurt, yeah, you're in a bind. So I mean, but you, so you live in Abbeville, which is a small town, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. I assume people know who you are. And I mean, do they feel That's like fine. if you're just you know, well, walking through the grocery store down there, and they're like, "Oh, oh I got Ronald's some that do that." There. Yeah, <laughs> they'll they'll tell me, you know, hey, are you following me? Uh, no, should I? You know, I mean, I don't know, and nobody has paid me to do it. So, and if I do get paid to follow you, you won't know it. Uh, 
I've, I've done it uh, years ago, probably about 25 years ago. I did a, uh, let's see, it was a television station in town here, and they interviewed me, and I brought the, uh, the, the girl with me on a case. The pictures, the whole nine yards. You know, we did a surveillance job, her and I, we talked, and, and they, they put it out. And a lot of other investigators called me and said, man, everybody knows your face. And I said, so? I don't care. Yeah. It don't make no difference. Because you don't know who's looking by on the right side of that window right there, do you? You don't know where I'm coming from. You don't know who I am. You know, if you do know who I am, it's no big deal. Uh, the, the, the person you think might be investigating you is probably not even the one that's doing it. Uh, but if you have something to hide, yeah. Now, if your wife hired me to follow you around, then I'm going to follow you around. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking with private investigator Ronald Gaspard and Hunter Thabis of S1 Technologies. So, Hunter, this is kind of this is an interesting kind of divergence here, which is like, you know, if you don't have anything to hide, what are you really worried about, right? Which I hear often uh, in the interviews. We've, I've done reporting on cyber surveillance before, and, you know, we see this all over the place, but it's not even just like people setting up cameras around, right? I mean, you leave data trails all over the internet. I mean, you know, I, I guess I'm curious, like, I mean, do you find that something you often have to do with, you know, the companies that you work with is just sort of clean up their trails, like to help them understand, like you're talking about these databases that people use to even identify them. And I'm thinking, of course, like websites like, you know, mipwned.org, right? right, right, right. The idea that like you've already got your credit card information out there, like helping people even understand the extent to which they're already vulnerable beyond just maybe not having a two-factor authentication service or whatever. Yeah, so actually I was, as, as he was talking about this, I was kind of thinking about, I bet there's other private investigators out there that solely specialize on the cyber division of this thing Mm -hmm. in terms of covering your tracks from a, from a, a computer perspective. Um, and so a large part of what we do whenever we go into a new customer is, is sort of educate them. And it's a big kind of ethos of, of what we do to begin with. In IT, there's a lot of this like mystification of how does that happen? Or yeah. from a security perspective, what does this even mean? Who are the attackers? Why do I need to protect it? A large part of what we do is go in and perform education and say, look, this is the game that you're playing. These are the, the rules of engagement here that, that these guys operate by, that you should operate by. And these are the things you should put in place to mitigate whatever they might be planning to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a large part of that is telling them, hey, look, or, or setting policies in place. For example, if you were to walk away from your workstation, we set group policy for all workstations to say that that computer needs to be locked down because you might be touching sensitive hmm. company information or things like that for if someone were to walk in the building and, and try to log into your machine. Hmm. But on a, on a larger scale is being very particular with the, the amount of information you put out there, mm-hmm. with, that your organization's putting out there. And so we see this all the time where... Companies will, especially when, whenever the pandemic happened, people were working from home, they'd take pictures of their workstations, mm-hmm. and they'd have a sticky note with their password uh-huh. on, the, on the monitor. And, and so we'd see th- things like this where, where they'd get compromised, they'd get pwned, mm-hmm. and, and it was as a result of just having poor security hygiene. Mm-hmm. So education on that is a big thing for us. Ronald, I mean, I'm curious if, if like the extent to which like we live in a world where either we're being monitored by companies right on the internet or we're being monitored by private investigators i mean i'm just like thinking to myself like what is your feeling about it do you feel watched i mean (laughs) your job is to watch people so like does it bother you that like facebook knows more about you than they should no uh, matter of fact uh, they can hack into my checking account the only thing they can do with it is make a deposit uh, so you know it, it doesn't bother me none. but there are a lot of people that have 
you know, a concern, like he's saying, and, and I, I really understand, understand exactly where he's coming from, and it's needed, because we have, in, in every industry, every type of business, you got crooked people, okay? They take a good thing, and they'll use it wrong, right? Okay? I mean, they're going to go ahead and, and, and take money. That's not what private investigators the, the straight ones, and we, you know, like I said a while ago, we have people that are crooked. So you got investigators that they do the, the things the wrong way. Hmm. Okay, they, they illegally do things. They try to get things. Uh, and on his side of the house, we use IDI Core, and IDI Core has they're out of Florida. It's search engines. Okay, and they give me a lot of information on a person. And the reason why I go for that type of information is to determine. Uh, the, where the person's at, what they might be driving, you know, what relatives are, so on and so forth. Gather data where I can, when I do go out and we do talk to the people, or we do, and a lot of times I'll get, uh, I'll get people, not even a computer, not even a, anything, neighbors. You'd be surprised what people are going to tell me just by walking up to them and asking them. Hmm. So what's the, explain the IDI core thing a little bit more. That's a search engine. How uh, is it different than they got most a whole search bunch of them. I can't remember all of them right now, but there's a lot of them. You, uh, you subscribe to them. I have to send, you know, I license insurance or whatever and all that. And I'll run uh, some, I'll run your first name and your last name. Or if I got your social security number, it's even easier because I know exactly who you are. Uh, I can run the street address. I can do a search approximate. And I'll get a list of hits that have your name, but bunch of others that have the middle name missing, you know, different. So I got to determine which one's which. I run that. It'll give me, uh, God, property. Uh, it'll give me uh, vehicles, addresses, uh, IP addresses also. Uh, Wait, I want to go back. Why do you have my social security number in this scenario? How did well, you get your that? Wife, your wife well, wants you tracked. You, oh, yeah. I yeah, your social true. security okay. number is, is really, it, it, it narrows me down to exactly... The person I'm looking for. But I'm saying, like, how did you get it in this? I mean, so Hunter gave us a theory, which is that my wife has given well, you the. Well, she might. She, okay. I'll probably have a picture of it. Do you it. have other ways of getting my social security number? Uh, through some of these search engines, they do. Yeah, they'll give you a portion. A portion. Okay. I can I can shed some light on this too. Yeah, so go ahead. I'm sure I'm sure you're probably aware of the dark web. People are aware yeah. of the dark web. Yeah. So a large part of what the dark web is is just um, Excel sheets, just CSV documents with, with Christian in a column, Mater in a column, um, date of birth in a column, um, security, social security number in a column. That is a very valuable record. People will pay $100, $150 for the record. That record. That's have, it? Yeah. Well, depending on what your net worth might be. So, so someone, let's say, let's say you've got a, a, a okay, Russian yeah, oligarch like, out there. Yep. That, that's, that's a very high value target for someone on the dark web. Okay, sure. But there are hundreds of thousands of these records out there yeah. where, especially whenever a company, company gets compromised, they'll exfiltrate this data with passwords because people will use the same password at work that they use for their bank. Right. And so the data is out there. It's, if you really wanted to find it, uh, your, your social security is probably out there somewhere. Okay. Oh, depending depending on your security <clears throat> hygiene. Want to find it for you? Well, I'm, I'm going to get, Ronald, did you get my social security number on the dark web? No. Okay. That's exactly what your wife gave it to me. <laughs> There's The only problem with radio is you can't capture the grin that you have on your face. About no, that. you can't, yeah. but uh, you, you, can, you can tell them how it looks. Anyway, <laughs> It's really uh, charming, actually, so thank you Finding for that. information, it, it, it's, a, it's a process. 
process elimination. You know, you got you, you search this one, you search that one, you find that one. Uh, I can re now we can get your driver's license, and sometimes they have it on there. Sometimes they don't. Now they're changing it. There's there's a whole he could tell you how to get a social security number a lot easier than you know I do with search engines and everything else. Uh, you have a lot of documents that you put social security. The social security number to me is you give me just give me a social security number and I'll take it from there. Mass has ended. I, I can take off with that, you know, and I can really start getting into where you're at. You sure, know? sure. So earlier you mentioned, you know, there's this kind of line between folks who do your kind of work, you know, the right way and folks that might cross it. I mean, what's that difference? I mean, I, I that's imagine how, it's That's why we have the, the Louisiana State Board of Private Examiners to keep people that are doing things the wrong way as private investigators gives us a bad name, okay? The, the, those that are, that are honest, and there's, I say, 85, 90% of them are there legitimately working their jobs. It's bad on the industry because everybody says, what, we're spies, we hide behind bushes, you know, and, and we chase people and all that. Though, okay? So if we do that, and sometimes you do, sometimes, I mean, I, I, got, a, I got a remote set up right now in North Louisiana, uh, in the wooded area that's shooting at a house that runs 24 hours a day. Okay. You, I don't know, the thing with, you know, being spooking, let me go to the human side of the house. Yeah. We, as humans, if it's negative, we, you know, if it's something you don't know, of the unknown, more than likely it's going to be evil to you to begin with. Number one, okay? That, that's, and we're creatures of habit, okay? Uh, when we do surveillance work, uh, I'll give you an example. If I gotta start following you around, first of all, I'd be down the street. You won't want to be close enough. You take off from here, I'm gonna follow you. You get up in the morning, you go eat for lunch somewhere maybe, go to bed at night. That's a habit. That's what we do, that's a norm. So when would you start, when would I start following you? First of all, I'd be there probably about five o'clock in the morning, number one, okay. catch you before, or go the night before, late at night, 10, 11, get license plate, make sure that's where you're at, make sure that's the vehicle you're in, and then I'd start in the morning about five. I've had some where I had to get there at three o'clock in the morning because they left before five o'clock. Then you start your pattern. Then you start, it's gonna take a few days to understand your routine. And then we take it from there. Not everything, the internet is, is and, and I'm going back on your side of the house, that's a uh, fact checker. In other words, find out if we are doing the right thing. Most of the time on the insurance fraud cases, you get depositions, you know, the attorney knows the information. The accident report has a lot of your information, especially in vehicle accidents, okay? So we already have that. It's just to narrow it down and make sure I'm on the right person. And have I ever followed the wrong person? Absolutely. I had one that was in Lake Charles. His name, first name, last name, and the vehicle he drove was 90% identical to the one I was looking for. I was on the wrong person. Thank God I found out later on, but still, you know, I wasted my time. I couldn't charge. But anyway, things like that happen. Uh, it's it's an interesting industry, and it's like any other industry. You got crooked people, you know, and that's what makes us look bad. Hunter, I mean, you, 
one thing that I think is kind of interesting about this, right, is I think we have kind of a general image of who is actually trying to compromise you. Right. And and I, I guess one thought I have is, is, is it mostly coming from outside of where you live? I mean, are there folks in Lafayette that, like, you know, might say that, you know, they're, they're kind of taking a look around them, and so they're more familiar with the territory and saying, like, okay, well, I know who the targets ought to be because I'm here. Or does it really matter? I mean, it's just kind of a dumb question in the Internet age to say, like, does it matter where you are? But it does seem like there would be value in fact-finding to just be drive around and case yeah. a place that way, right? Yeah, it, it sure could be, and I'm sure that happens quite a bit. But truthfully, at the 99% of the time, it's, there's this supply chain that happens. And going back to the, to the dark web, you've got these hundreds of thousands of records of people's passwords that have been stolen yeah. and, um, and their usernames and, and what company they work for. And those get sold. So there's an a individual company with an LLC that goes and acquires that data. They go and put it on the dark web, but they sell it directly to these threat organizations. And those threat organizations have a separate department of people that are going out and trying to test all those, those credentials to see what works. And then there's another side of people that are actually working on the, the ransomware, people working on the business email compromise. Hmm. It's an entire industry, this entire business that happens on that side. Why is and it so, so hard for us to police and, it then? And so well, I'll finish what I was going to sure, say there. Yeah. but. Um, most of that's happening in in um, in Russia and and parts of Africa where, where we're seeing a lot of that happen, um, and so so it's that whole supply chain happens. It could happen anywhere, but those are kind of where the the best talent is, and so that's kind of where it's aggregated. Um, and I'm sorry, your second question was well, I think you kind of answered maybe why is it so hard to police then? Like, and if it seems like if you got this sort of big industry, that almost sounds like you're talking about corporations in a sense, right? It would seem like it'd be easy to find them, right? right. To say like. Well, we kind of know they have a big department over there right. that, <laughs> that makes maybe has a big footprint on the web, I, I guess. I don't know. But it sounds like maybe because they're not in the U.S., so it's like you can't. And it's also the- hundreds of thousands of distributed organizations that's, that these, wow. that, that's happening. It's yeah. not just so um, the, the Colonial Pipeline situation. Remember that one, the, the ransomware that happened? Oh, it shut yeah. down the entire eastern seaboard. Yeah. That was a company called uh, a threat organization called Revil, our evil. Yeah. Um, and so that's a big one. And, and they use a, a specific brand of ransomware that, yeah. that they've either bought or conjured up. And that's another thing. That's another part of the supply chain. There are organizations, threat organizations, that will just build the software mm-hmm. and then they sell it. And it's ransomware as a service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really hard to track down these, these individuals because a lot of it's these little ticky-tacky $10,000 here from, from Mater Engineering mm-hmm. and $100,000 here from, from Yada Yada Company in, in Lafayette. Um, and so the FBI is on the trail and they have the, the, the designations, but they're going after bigger fish. Hmm. And it's not, it's not, a, it's not hundreds of thousands of people tracking down hundreds. It's like, it's like a couple thousand people in the FBI and, and tracking these threat orgs, tracking down hundreds of thousands of people that basically don't exist on our radar. Hmm. So, Ronald, uh, you're gathering information about people and to the extent that you're using video, you're capturing a lot of digital information and Correct. storing it on hard drives. Yes. So how do we know that? These enterprises of, you know, international cyber hackers aren't going to steal all that video and put it on the Internet. What are you doing to protect the data that you gather? Actually, that data that I gather on video belongs to my client. I turn it over to them, and then whatever they do. uh, I don't really put it out on the Internet in any kind of way. Hmm. Send reports, send video, and don't forget the invoice. And uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, when it comes down to business, the answer is exactly. always don't forget and, the invoice. And that's yeah. where, on his side of the house and my side, 
money rules everything and money makes things happen. That's why we have issues like he has, like he's talking about the hacking, this and that, all about the almighty dollar. Makes people do things. Indeed. They might not other way, otherwise do, you know what I'm talking about? They might not, but it's that almighty dollar. And that's, you gotta be either honest or, or, or not, you know? That's the way I look at it. I guess at the end of the day, right, you know, we could say information is power, but really information is money. And uh, thanks to you guys so much for joining me on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Not a problem. Happy to be here. Enjoyed it. My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana have been private investigator Ronald Gaspard and Hunter Thavis of S1 Technologies. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRBS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Ronald and Hunter by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app and on our website. It's Acadiana.com. I'm sure it's also on the dark web. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on It's Acadiana.com and on our social media. These photos were taken by Aster Morgan, and you can find more of Aster's photos on uh, AsterMorgan.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's Acadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Today's show was engineered by Kieran McIntosh. Our associate producer is Molly Molly Richard. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. I'm Christian Mader, editor of the current Lafayette's nonprofit news outlet. For stories deeper than the headlines, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletter. I'll see you here again next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Tula Tacos and Amigos. Tula Tacos and Amigos offers street-style tacos, margaritas, and an open-air courtyard on Jefferson Street in the heart of downtown Lafayette. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Right